Good evening, you're listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney, here with freelance writer TJ Hafer. Hello, hello. We also welcome back our friend Ian Boudreau. Hello. And finally, we have U.S. Gamers Mike Williams. Hello, hello, folks. How's everyone doing tonight? Uh, not too bad. Uh, so today, we're going to be looking at Triumph Studios' Age of Wonders Planetfall, uh, which is a new sci-fi 4X uh, published by Paradox Interactive. And I will be honest, uh, at this point, I feel like sci-fi 4X, I'm never sure what to expect. Um, <laughs> but I think I am. I tend to be predisposed to sort of white-knuckle the armrests when I hear one of those is coming out. Um, <laughs> but also a sci-fi forex version of Age of Wonders also seemed like kind of a weird thing to be getting. Uh, Mike, I know that you're into Age of Wonders a bit. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, what is Age of Wonders? Because I feel like it's one of those franchises that's been around in the strategy discussion for a while but i don't think it's ever been front of mind it's never been anywhere close to that like uh civilization level uh like awareness in the discourse yeah so it's it's a lot like civilization but coming from the studio that it was coming from uh it, it didn't have a lot of visibility so the the 4x like basic city builder aspect feels a lot like uh, Civilization or Endless Legend uh, in that you have cities that you sort of expand your influence and you have to build different sort of uh, improvements within each city. But probably the biggest difference is that when combat resolves uh, between your armies instead of it being like, uh, you know, two units fight, and then it's sort of taken care of in a dice roll, and then it's done, you actually would switch to uh, turn-based, like, overhead uh, strategy combat. Uh, and so it's sort of Civilization meets XCOM is the easiest way to explain it to people. But I, I don't think anyone realized it existed for a very long time. Like, it had a very firm community on Steam, but... Uh, being brought under the Paradox uh, banner, I, I think, has helped with visibility this time around. Yeah, I, I think that is definitely one of the things that sort of sets it apart. And I think to be to be absolutely clear here, um, I think other series have tried to do that switching into tactical combat thing. Um a lot of times that's a that's a direction for 4Xs I tend not to love because usually it feels like one part of that ends up getting shortchanged a little bit. Um, and I think one thing I'm curious what you make of this. With, with, with Planetfall, I was surprised how good those tactical battles were. And it made me question, like, I don't remember them being as good in Age of Wonders 3 when I was playing it, but it could be that I just didn't give it a fair shake. Do you think Planetfall is sort of a, like a good representative example of how the switch to tactical combat has worked in Age of Wonders? Or do you think that Planetfall is kind of a particularly good implementation of it? Uh, I think Planetfall benefits from the switch to sci-fi probably more uh age of wonders three and the previous age of wonders games were all very much fantasy and 
how you handle fantasy combat is different probably from how you handle either modern or sci-fi combat. So Age of Wonders Planetfall works a lot more from range. Uh, like there are a lot of units with guns more so than melee, whereas Age of Wonders 3 was very magic-based. So you had archers who were your ranged guys, but pretty much everyone else was sort of melee-ish or a magic user. So it, it changes the strategic dynamic uh, compared to the previous game, I think. So it, it is the same. It's still an Age of Wonders game, but it plays slightly differently. And it actually, whereas Age of Wonders 3, the XCOM comparison isn't entirely apt, it is, I think, an Age of Wonders Planetfall. Before we got into this game, uh, this this was when I sort of had to be talked into or talk myself into because, honestly, I think there's a bit of a hangover effect from uh, Civilization Beyond Earth, which was a game I just I did not get yeah. along with very much. And yeah. screenshots for this kind of gave me that vibe pretty strongly. Yeah, definitely. Very much. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and so I kind of have the like part of this is very unfairly. I do have a knee jerk uh, reaction to comparing every Space 4X to Alpha Centauri, um, which is a really good science fiction game in addition to being a good strategy game. And that is a pretty tough yardstick for games to measure up against, but it does make me a little more skeptical uh, of the genre. And then, of course, there there are issues of uh, sometimes sci-fi technologies and settings can feel really generic, right? Rather than sort of exciting the imagination, it kind of feels like it almost gives you the most reductive view of the 4X game, the the classic like laser one, laser two uh, type mm-hmm. type dynamic. But everything about this game, I just, I looked at it and nothing about it sort of leaped off the page, leaped out of screenshots and made me think I needed to check this out. Um, I'm curious what everyone else, like, where was everyone else at in terms of expectations, feeling about this setting uh, before, before they got into this game? Well, I felt, uh, you know, I think I... Like you, uh, when I got the uh, review assignment, you know, I started playing it and it was very much, you know, I had Beyond Earth very much in mind and, you know, that kind of feeling like, okay, well, this is, you know, Space 4X, uh, you know, the game. Um, but the more, there's so much, I don't know, there's there's a lot of quirkiness built into the factions themselves. Um, I don't know that the, that the, the premise, which is kind of like this... Uh, you know, the star union that uh, that's collapsed and um, and sent uh, different kind of you know uh, arms, which are your different uh, races and factions, you know, across the galaxy for hundreds of years. Uh, the more I don't know the, the, after a first after the first couple sort of um, story missions, which um, sort of introduce you to these these factions. I was uh, I found myself really interested in where this game was going, and there's you know there's a uh, a guy uh, who works in the, the kind of the generic human faction. I'm trying to remember his name, but he just looks like a jerk. He's got these aviator sunglasses and a mustache. <laughs> oh, the fake Doctor like, Disrespect guy. Yeah, he's the Doctor Disrespect guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, I was like, this. All right, I, I, let me see what they're doing with this because uh, and there's such a thematic range, I think, to the, the races as well. There's there's kind of your generic humans, but then there's a race called the Assembly, which is almost like it's it's like every evil thing from warhammer 40k kind of uh 
like it's all of that's kind of been digested through this kind of pulpy sci-fi lens that I don't know. There's such a, I don't know. There's such a spirit to this game that I, I I think I got um, connect. I I felt connected with it uh, pretty quickly. Um, So yeah, I I wasn't expecting a hell of a lot, honestly, but um, it, it sucked me in pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I'd say I was probably on the negative. I, I said that at the beginning of my review. I was on the negative side because I really liked Age of Wonders 3. And there's not a lot of, like, fantasy uh, sort of 4X strategy games out there. So to see uh, Planet Fall moving towards the sci-fi thing, which Civilization had done and, like, Endless Legend had sort of played with, was a little disappointing. And then I played it, and uh, oddly enough, what I, I feel they sort of did was they they took many of the the fantasy races and sort of brought them over. Like, so there's the Dvar who are really just space dwarves, like one hundred percent, and the Assembly are are undead, but like techno undead to sort of go with the thing. So. It's a lot of that Age of Wonders fantasy flavor sort of twisted and brought over. And I I think they play with their races in the same way. I I go back to Endless Legend, which is a fantastic game. Uh, They play with their races the same way that Endless Legend did, like really giving each of them a strong thematic and gameplay viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah, I loved the factions. I actually, that was a selling point for me, Rob. You said you were kind of lukewarm on it at first, but I thought that the the faction previews were one of the main things that had me feeling optimistic about this game before I played it. Um, uh, I mean, the assembly's great. I really like the Amazons, who are like the nature-y dinosaur riding kind of... uh, I get they're they're analogous to like an elf faction, I guess. If we're if we're making comparisons to fantasy, and then um, the Kirko, I've had a lot of fun with, who are the insect hive mind guys, um, and uh, yeah, they they really do. They have they have a strong identity just in terms of like their their art and their how they talk on the campaign and stuff. But they also play a lot differently, which I really liked because it's like having XCOM with six different unique factions i mean the humans play basically like an XCOM squad would play where you set up firing lines and you need to have like at least two people in overwatch to cover uh you know there's there's move and fire type you know tactics going on um but then like you switch over to the kirko and it's just a completely different story like you're this swarm uh you want to be in melee as much as possible you want to stick together as much as possible because they give bonuses to um adjacent like allies and stuff um and i thought it just it added a lot to just how how excited i would get to start a new campaign because i knew i was going to be playing with a completely different set of units and that's kind of a big deal when so much of what you're doing is is tactical battles at least for me when i i fight almost all of the tactical battles in this game yeah i'm curious you know, so TJ, that's kind of like where you started to sit up and take notice. I'm curious what for for other folks here, uh, when you look at, you know, if you're if you're trying to like sell people on the the one thing, like 
leaped out at you as something unusual that Planetfall was doing or something that was that really struck you as novel and interesting. I'm curious what was kind of your light bulb moment with the game. What was your light bulb feature? Well, okay, so for me, I think the thing that really jumped out at me was that every time that you start up a new game, you have a um, an established geography on each planet. So instead of... Um, I mean, you are going and establishing colonies and um, and expanding that territory, but you're doing it through um, a series of, of territories that are already kind of delineated, um, and these each have kind of their own, um, you know, the, the zones, and you know, you, your decisions are going to be, well, do I annex this uh, adjacent territory or that one? And it's not growing quite the same way, um, the, the way that civilization cities will kind of organically expand and grow in a way that... Um, it's kind of funny, like that. That it's been. Uh, I don't think that there's really been a point in recorded human history where that's been the way that things have actually happened. Um, but uh, so, so yeah, I, I was really intrigued right away to see that. Okay, every single time, you know, there's already these kind of states or provinces mapped out every time that, that we play. That's going to be. Um, I found that to be a, a really interesting um, consideration, uh, and, and it just changed the way that I was thinking about about uh, territorial expansion, where I was going to be moving next, um, and just the world at large. Yeah, for me, my two probably biggest were, one, the, the switch to the new sector system, uh, which was unique because every Forex sort of has a different way to handle building cities, um, and sectors felt like a good way to take at least some of the tedium out of that because usually once you get to like that mid or in game then you're sort of micromanaging like a lot of cities and a lot of different parts of your city and I, I think sectors allowed you to grow rather quickly for each of your cities and have fewer cities to deal with overall uh, than some other games but uh, for me it probably really hit hard once I got into combat, I just, I love the combat system in there. It's surprisingly robust for a combat system that's just a part of another game. Like, that's not, like, the focus of Age of Wonders Planetfall, but uh, it's a surprisingly good, like, cover system with destructibility and the research feeds into the units that you have available to you and they each have, you know, they level up, they have stats, you can improve them, you can give them new equipment. It, it just overall, like that combat system worked really well for me. Uh, and like married to the 4X, I was just, I was in love. So I think that's, that's really true. Like the, and you start as playing the, or if you're going to go through the campaign, you're probably going to start with the Vanguard. And to me, it seemed like the combat system at first was a little simple. But um, the more you get into a campaign, the more uh, of them you play, the more you realize there's a lot going on uh, in terms of you know your tactical considerations and uh, and just army composition. Um, there, it's a very uh, it, I would say deceptively complex and uh, deep combat system. Yeah, I um I've talked before on this show about how a lot of games I. Uh, kind of ruin them a bit for myself because I really like to find my standard operating procedure that I use in the tactics layer. So like if given the opportunity in a total war game, for instance, I will tend to have armies with roughly the same balance of unit types. 
and eventually by the late game, all as much as I can, the unit the armies themselves will be nearly standardized. Uh, so that like I have my tactics that work with my army build. And the only thing that really causes variation in that is maybe one army had to be reinforced with this unit at random and so they got a little unbalanced. Who knows? But but I like to sort of stick to these templates. Uh because I'm a bit lazy and because uh I'm also just a bit of an organizational fanatic when it comes to stuff like that. And what I kind of expected to happen in this game was something similar, right? Where so often these systems are a little bit throwaway. And at first, this looked kind of throwaway too, because you get like the preview, for instance, for a battle, and you're given the overall combat strength of your two armies, right? Oh, well, uh, this group of bugs you're fighting, uh, their combat value is you know, 200 or something or 250 and your army stack with your hero has combat value of like 800. So you can fight this battle or you can just walk all over these things. Who really cares? And I kind of expected that the entire layer would tend to feel a bit redundant in that sense where, look, if I've done my job on the strategic layer, there's not going to be a whole lot for me to do on the tactical layer because I'm just going to have stacks rolling across the map and it's going to be fine. And this is just going to be kind of a cutesy time waster. And the thing that really threw me um, was that one, because of the unit, because your armies have a pretty low cap to how many units you can slide in there, uh, what is it, like six units, eight yeah. units per yeah. army? it's six total, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you really can't, like, you can improve the overall combat value of your army by, like, throwing in upgraded units, more advanced units, and, and filling it out that way. But you discover that, like, six is a pretty low number uh, for, for an army. And so it does become just a little bit harder to do that thing where you have stacks of doom rolling across the map and rolling everything up. Um, there's a lot of armies, uh, particularly the, um, uh, I forget what the game's term of term of art for them is, but basically the, uh, barbarians or the monsters that sort of rove around the map. There's some of these guys that you just can't screw with in the early game. Uh, but I started having these first fights where I realized like, damn, this, you know, the combat values for our two armies are pretty close. I better check this out. And if I auto resolved it, it was a bloodbath, but I won. And I was like, I can do better than that. I reloaded. And I was like, let, let the pro show you how it's done. And I got <laughs> fucked up. Just like, just utterly yeah. obliterated. Because basically I was playing Vanguard and uh, yeah, I tried to do the like, I'll just create an Overwatch trap and, uh, you know, boom, done. This this should be easy. Just lure these guys in and they'll walk in and get killed. Um, and what I didn't expect was multiple units to be stunned in one go and then like another key unit to be mind controlled at one point. And so like of the six units in my army, basically like my hero and an engineer unit were the only ones like under my control for two turns of the battle. <laughs> and uh, I yeah. lost a battle yeah. that like mathematically should have been in the bag. And I realized like, okay, hold on. What even just happened here? Because mm. the cool thing that the, the other cool thing that, that unfolded during that battle um, is that very few armies or units just do one thing. It's not like they just sort of smash into each other and a melee calculation happens and, and, and that's that's how it goes down. Uh, every unit has so many like 
secondary attack modes or specials then there's the heroes the the way any two armies from two different factions can collide ended up being really interesting like i genuinely didn't ever get to that point where okay i'll just fill my army with these you know six carbon copies of this badass unit and just i'll go win uh instead i was constantly thinking like hmm do i want to do i want to like really invest in dimensional phasing for my army Mm. or do i want to be uh do i just want robot uh killer robots to go do my do my fighting for me and that's a big decision but there's so many with gradations between those well and you're not such a go ahead sorry yeah you're you're not ever locked to just your faction either because there's always going to be you know, like between two and three, usually it seems like neutral factions on the map that you can kind of court by doing quests for them that will eventually provide you with some of their units. Um, like I had one of my Vanguard games, I had like two like boring, you know, human armies. And then I had one army that was just like the strange boys that was just filled with like psychic (laughs) fish and like weird, like sex androids and (laughs) all these other just like crazy, like neutral units you can pick up that just make these ridiculous combinations of abilities that are really fun to play around with. It does feel kind of like dumping the uh, whole bucket of, uh, of plastic action guys. Yeah. Out on like in the (laughs) eighties. Where your yeah, friends like, had He-Man and you had some Micronauts. <laughs> yeah, right. that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and, and you can't... One of the things also is for most of the time, you can't make your army too big because you still have to worry about the logistics of of upkeep. Like the upkeep cost is probably mm-hmm. prohibitive for because I ran into that problem probably in my second game. I tried to make a huge army and at a certain point... I couldn't because my my civilization couldn't keep it up. Uh, but then on the flip side of that, like you can lose a unit real quick. Like you can put a unit in the wrong position and have them stunned and then killed very quickly before you can save them. So uh, you, yeah, you gotta worry about both sides to really succeed in Planetfall. Well, I thought one of the things that was brilliant, at least for the level of difficulty I was playing at most of the time, is that you have a unit cap on most of your armies, or on, I guess it's on all armies of six, but most of the armies you fight that aren't like elites or like quest battles, um, it's usually only four dudes on like the standard difficulty, which it seemed like a cakewalk early on, like if you know your army and you know who you're fighting and you you kind of pay attention and be careful you know you're going to win most of those but what i found is that as i explored out further from my base six on four was like the perfect ratio where every battle was not a bloodbath but every battle made me sweat just a little bit and take just enough attrition that eventually when that one army made it to wherever they were going you know, they were beaten up enough that I was like, okay, this is like, you know, this is strategic attrition as I'm walking across the map. And it's not making me feel frustrated because I'm not wiping on every battle. I feel like if it had been six versus six, every fight that I fought along the way to this objective, you know, 
I would have just been like, okay, well, I might as well just wait till I have the economy to send three stacks because this is pointless to even try this. Um, but when it's six on four and then another six on four and then another six on four, and then maybe a five on four because you lost a guy. I just I felt like that created a very like smooth kind of progression of where this this unit of dudes in like a predator movie that are traipsing through the jungle and like every once in a while we're going to lose a guy and you know we're going to be low on hit points by the time we get to the objective or whatever and and I thought that was really a smart decision. Yeah, that ends up playing well uh with that sector system as well I would say because one of the things I like about this is um to me the games feel more spread out, wilder in some ways than like civilization games tend to stay. Like at at some point in a lot of civilization games, there is roughly a section of the map where my empire inhabits, and the cities are not necessarily all all, all piled up next to each other the way they could be sometimes in like uh, Civ Two or Civ Four. But nevertheless, there's kind of a um you know, breadbasket area that like, that, that's, that's, that's my empire. That's, that's where all my stuff is. And, uh, anything outside of that is, you know, just a local neighbor that I'm gonna have to worry about. Um, but what makes this game, I would say a little bit different is that things consistently feel spread out enough that the idea of like, it's not just that I'm leaving my empire. It's that like my other city might be an outpost with a couple sectors under its control as well. Um, and so the thing, the thing that ends up happening is just moving my army from like one frontier to another ends up feeling like a journey, right? Like, Oh, I need to reinforce this flank and go do this quest. And yes, that's just between two of my major cities, but the path between them isn't settled. It's not like I'm just running the road network between my cities. It's, oh yeah, I've got these two like basically outposts with a hostile continent in between and I can't just create a way station because like three different empires have all claimed sectors in there. And so just try, this this is a cool thing they do with the diplomatic layer and expansion. Just trying to say, oh, I want to park a city somewhere in the middle there. Often is this whole can of worms that really early in the game, there's no longer this like terra incognita you can just go and like plant a city in immediately it's like oh man if i put a city there it's gonna be a whole thing and and it's also i I love about the sectors thing is allows you to sort of cut off uh certain sections of like you can have sections of your city cut off that produce something really important or vice versa like you can uh, go to a certain sector and say, I'm going to take that over. And uh, it, it's it's interesting the way that you can cut off working bits of an empire that you couldn't in, say, Civ Six. Yeah, I, and the, the options that you have for what to do with each of those uh, those those territories is interesting too. It's a you know you can choose to. Uh, to colonize, to, to put down a colony in a sector, or you can annex it to an existing colony, or you can create a military outpost. I mean, the, the, the considerations, I think, uh, gives you a really 
neat set of uh, considerations to to go through uh, when you're thinking about how you're going to do this expansion, or if expansion indeed is even what you want to accomplish. Yeah, the um, let's talk through this this city dynamic a, a little bit more, just because I think it's a really good solution to some of those problems you sketched out earlier, Mike, where the, like you end up in so many four X's with just too many cities to manage and none of them are particularly interesting. The thing I like here is this notion that every city is like kind of a regional capital that commands all the surrounding space and in the early game, that probably means you got a pretty decent chunk of contiguous territory and a ring around a major city. But later on, I started getting some really interesting geography where, like, um, you know, I had, like, my cities and other other empire cities kind of had these really kind of wonky borders. And there were sectors with really nice... Um, resources or that would provide modifiers to whichever city claimed them uh but the problem was somebody had already kind of put a marker down and so there were there were, there were always these other considerations uh to expansion that i think a lot of other forex games have struggled to they've struggled to find interesting ways to make build another city not the solution to every freaking problem. Um, I think Age of Wonders Planetfall might have one of the best solutions I've seen. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I went back and forth on the. I, I forget what the the term in the game is. Casus is it Casus Belly or what? It, the, the you can't put anything next to me, or we're gonna fight. Yeah, I went back and forth on that. Like I, I understood it, and it did change up some of my strategic decisions but it also sort of bothered me occasionally when i'd be in a uh sort of a friendly situation with somebody so i'm like why why do you care that our borders are, are that close or i'm going to take take so i i went back and forth with it i like the idea i just wish there was a little bit more flexibility to it that it it was a little uh silly at some points i found too because i mean if it was with one of the npc uh, sort of neutral factions like the Psyfish, uh, the, these hyper-intelligent flying jellyfish, which are awesome. Uh, you know, like, you know, I'd, I'd want to expand into territory that they had a claim on. It's kind of funny that jellyfish have a claim on territory, but they did. Um, but, you know, when I, I would just find, okay, well, this is worth it. I'll, I can take their reputation hit and then I'll just go and do a couple more quests for their um, capital. And that would usually resolve fine. And, you know, so there's there's some a little i guess some rough edges on that system but overall i think it was it was smart like and it it does um like rob was saying and i think uh, like you said too it, it's it does generally i think make more interesting decisions than okay well i need a city and it needs to you know to push out in a certain direction uh rather than just it Rather than just being that, I think it's it's a much more alive feeling map. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I uh, I did like the the idea that you can sort of build up this uh, uh, this groundswell in your your region and then sort of spend that goodwill on making war. I just 
like I said, it was just a little of the flexibility of it. I, th- I just needed a little bit more tweaks to it. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd say this game also uses some things that I've seen pop up elsewhere, but again, I see them implemented really well here. Uh, there have been a number of games that when it comes to upgrading units or providing certain special gear, uh, you have to eat into reserves of special resources. I think Endless Legend and um, Endless Space have done this really, really well. But again, in this game, I pretty consistently felt like upgrading my units and figuring out what sort of tech progression I was going to follow was a decision I needed to consider and it was not busy work, right? Like so often the unit designer just feels like kind of an empty sandbox where you can be like, and I'm going to put the giant sword on this guy because I just unlocked giant sword technology. And the problem there is, well, then why wouldn't you use the giant sword technology? That was like, duh, that was the entire point of of researching that. Here, um, you know, and, and Mike, I think this is kind of of a piece with your with uh, your note about upkeep. Time and again, I would have a lot of options for, like, cool new weapon systems I could roll out. Or I could invest in, like, substantially upgrading old units and turning them into units that something do something pretty different from what the original spec, like, tier one unit did. And that was all cool, but the problem is I couldn't afford to do all of it or even most of it. So I had to really think like, you know, do I want, like, do I want this unit to be a glass cannon, but with like a really sick ability uh, that makes it super useful? Or am I better off like leaning a little bit more on a well-rounded unit that's become the backbone of my force? But again, because it's the backbone, even slight upgrades, applying them has kind of a high cost just to universally retrofit across the uh, across the army. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about like, okay, not only what are my needs right now, like what would be a cool unit to have, but how do I integrate it into like the force structure of the army I built? And it is unusual for a game to use a system like this and actually make that kind of a satisfying problem to explore. But I pretty routinely did enjoy like playing around with, 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 with army schematics. I I feel like I had like an almost opposite reaction though, because while all of that is cool, I, I kind of missed having a sense of progression, like linear progression as you move down the tech tree. Um, because it's like when okay when you get all of the support modules filled that's a big deal like a unit with no modules versus a unit that has like one of each thing you know that feels like okay this is a really good unit now i've achieved like a higher baseline combat ability and then combat like translates to like your action your quick bar and like an mmo Right, but then, like, everything past that point was all side grades, I felt like. Like, my units on turn 15 were roughly as powerful as my units on turn 40. They just had more options, like, okay, I'm going against robots, I can equip them with stuff that's better against robots. Like, I missed out on that feeling that you get, like, in XCOM when you first get lasers or when you first get plasma, or, like, that feeling... Uh, in Civ, like when you unlock your first gunpowder unit, like I felt like that 
so, like some linear progression that I like to have in this type of game was missing. There's that really cool moment though where you uh, you can first uh, put your commander in a tank. That's fun. That was that cool. was pretty. Cool. That was very cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess for me, I, I think I I, I I agree with you both. I think there there is kind of a flattening off in terms of you know you're not getting uh, straight upgrades all the way through the tech tree. But what I did find was really rewarding uh, and just kind of to spin off what uh, Rob was saying was, I think that that, you know, the considerations that you make in the tech tree and in your army composition and the way that you're, uh, you know, outfitting your units, all of that, uh, you know, fits in with, you know, the local geography and what, you know, you have available to you. And what excited me about this game I think, you know, when I was ready to put pen to paper was that, you know, all of this stuff is kind of integrated and, you know, the decisions that you make in terms of how you're going to exploit the local uh, ecology and uh, and geology uh, are going to not, they're not determinate because it's never going to force you down one route and it's easy to retool, I found, but what you, what you'll find is that, you know, if you commit to one approach, um, that'll it, it will really genuinely change the way you play the game uh, for the rest of that campaign. So um, I liked how kind of holistic that uh, that kind of approach um, was and how, how many layers of the game that that truly touched. Yeah, you, you miss the uh, ability to sort of uh, upgrade in, in leaps, which is what you would do in Civilization. You'd hit a new area and you would upgrade in a, in a huge leap, and that felt really good because you could upgrade a bunch of units. But what you gain is sort of that per-unit uh, ability to play around with how they function and really army composition. Because like, I'd have one support unit that would just be there to stun enemies and then i would surround them with a bunch of for the most part weak grunts but they were very defensively strong grunts so so those would be the the sort of vanguard protecting and then i'd have a more offensive team and a more support squad and it allows you to really like play with squad composition in that way yeah i I think that is the thing that I really liked here, and I'm surprised they were able to pull it off that well without it, without it, without it bogging down the game. I think that's the other part of this that is that's the tricky balance to strike too, right? If the battles are a little overly involved, and you're constantly getting pulled into these long uh, tactical sequences that compl- like that overly disrupt what's happening in the tactical layer uh, in the strategic layer. Um, I think that would also probably cause this game to misfire a bit. But instead, it, uh, for me, it consistently had this really satisfying uh, pacing where I'd advance along the tech tree and uh, a, a little bit on the strategic layer, and then I'd see that sort of have an impact on the combat layer. And I'd sort of test out this sort of path of development I was following. And that was, um, that worked really, really well. Um, you know, for, for games that try something like this, it's hard for me not to, not to say that like, this is probably best in class for the like turn-based, uh, tactics 4X game that, you know, like, you know, there's, there's things I still prefer endless legend, uh, for, I think, uh, but in terms of good combat and making that stuff 
interesting and tying it to the strategy stuff. I'm not sure I've seen it done better than in Age of Wonders, Planetfall, and I feel like I've seen a lot of places try. Yeah, I mean, I think I like... I think I like XCOM better for what it does, which is that each mission is like this kind of dragged out. It's almost like an episode of like a TV show. Like the mission is the meat of the game. And so they're they're a lot longer. They have a lot more kind of waves or acts to them um, and just like a different pacing yeah. overall. Uh, Planetfall integrates it into the strategy layer better than anyone. Like I felt like the pacing was so spot on, like these smaller battles they're about four to five turns. You don't feel like you're in for this big, like, grueling XCOM mission every time you get into a fight on the strategic map. You're like, no, I'll just, I'll jump in, I'll do my little tactical thing, and I'll be back out strategizing again, you know, before it gets old. Um, and I just thought that was so well done, the the sort of pacing between the two. Yeah, and I, and I think uh, basically, like Age of Wonders, it does the, the combat really well, and then I feel uh, definitely on the race side of things, it feels like it learned from uh, uh, Endless Legend very well. Like, yes, Age of Wonders 3 did a lot of good things with race, but I feel like like Planetfall learned from Endless Legends, which I thought was a fantastic game, and then improved upon it. Yeah, that's that's very much how it feels is which makes sense because at this point it's had like years to go to school on it and think about what worked there and what didn't. Whereas I think, you know, if you look at the first um, iteration of like Civilization six, some of what you saw there very much seemed like, oh, shit, like uh, Endless Legends just really nailed uh, city expansion. Let's let's use that in a Civ game. Um, but it didn't necessarily, it, it didn't necessarily, uh, harmonize with the rest of what that game was doing. Um, whereas here it seems very like it, it there to, I suppose this is somewhat the liberating part of not being a Civ game. Age of Wonders Planetfall is not obligated to do all the things that sort of the archetypal 4X that, like, say, Civ is, is obligated to do, right? Like, in Age of Wonders Planetfall, you're funneled back into fighting and combat pretty aggressively. Like, that, that's not to say you have to, like, ex you know, exterminate everybody on the map, but this is not a game that ha that is built to flatter someone who's, like, Oh, I'm just going to sit in my one city and right. uh, win the game that way. Oh, I'm just going to make the other factions love me, and I'm not going to have to do anything. Like, there's still ways you can kind of play in that direction, but even there, like one of the ways you make factions like you is often by going and doing missions. For instance, like the like. Age of Wonders Planetfall is continually pushing you towards some of its more interesting features. Whereas I think Civ Six, um, you know, in some ways had this really interesting city management uh system, but then also had to have that play nicely with every other sort of canonical victory condition and mode of play that civilization has come to encompass. Mm. Yeah, and, there, there, and those missions, it should, it should be said, are almost always pulling you away from your territory. Like there's some place way off in the fog of war 
So I found that I almost always had at least one or usually two sizable expeditionary forces wandering around the map. Um, there's not always... I, mean, I feel like it doesn't penalize you too badly for um, wandering around other people's territory, or you can, you know, you can um, get the kind of uh, you can forge the kinds of treaties that you need to, uh, like non-aggression pacts and um, and whatnot with with the other factions. So I, I, I really, it's like your point earlier, Rob. You know, you're not really just sitting around in your breadbasket in your empire. You're it really does want you to explore kind of constantly. So, yeah, and, and when it does like that, that it, it tends to split your army. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just go to a far-off sector to complete a mission without a decent army in tow. So you have to split your army at least somewhat in order to complete those missions and stay on everybody's good side. Um, so something I want to get into a little bit because I'm just curious how this all landed with you. They're probably slightly separate topics, uh, but I'm going to sort of merge them together here and we can, we can tease them apart as we need. Um, sounds like people generally are enjoying like faction design and the flavor that comes from being different factions. I'm curious if that also translated for you into an appreciation of like the setting and the outline of the story uh, that provides the backdrop to to Planetfall. I liked it. I did. Uh, I mean, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the entire thing was just kind of discovering the lore of the, these factions and, and getting to play through some of the story heavy missions. Um, uh, I, I liked the, the kind of narrative tension that that added. I think it also ended up being kind of a double edged sword though, because sort of similar to civilization beyond earth i kind of felt like when i ran out of those missions and when i ran out of all that extra story stuff even though it does some like kind of radiant generation of story on like the normal maps i didn't feel like this is a game where i could just you know keep loading up random maps and keep playing it forever like this the story missions were were really good but they were so much better than the base just going to drop you on a random planet and go for it, you know, whatever victory condition that you feel like version of, uh, of planet fall, that it, it sort of put me off of thinking about it as an endlessly replayable strategy game. Yeah. I like, I mean, I, I, I felt very positively about the setting and, uh, I, I really like the story missions as well. Um, but I think the, I mean, I'm not sure if that means that the setting was good or that I just had almost zero expectations just because I think <laughs> like, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's just the cynicism that comes from having seen a bunch of, you know, okay, here, look, we're doing a new sci-fi themed game. And I mean, it, the, the, yeah, the baseline for this is very low. Um, and it was much more interesting than I thought, but um, I don't know. I, so I'm, I'm still not really sure what, <laughs> what to make of that. Uh, again, I, I like it. I like the Dr. Disrespect dude. I like the, the, the alien robot zombies. Everything seems very bright, and uh, it, it seemed like no idea was too weird. Or, um, I don't know, there's there's a joyfulness to the setting that I that I quite liked. And I'm not sure if it's you know just kind of like a retro 80s cartoon sort of thing that's going on, because there is that. Um, 
But yeah, it's it's much more interesting than I think uh, I would have expected. You know, just sort of a, a standard you know sci-fi game to to generate on its own for the purposes of a game. Yeah, I, I do agree that the story, like being the way it is, ended up having that sort of you would get to the end and you finished all the campaign and you're like I'm done. And uh, I definitely hit that spot, but I mean, with with the way I work, that means I just move on to the next game. So uh, yeah. that was fine for me. And then uh, I can look forward to whatever uh, DLC that they have planned in, you know, six months, a year or whatever. DLC in a Paradox game, that's never going to happen. <laughs> Surely <What>? just... <laughs> no. Ian, how would the 80s, 80s cartoon theme song for Planetfall go? Do you have, a, do you have any idea? Oh, gosh. Uh, put me on the spot. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, um, well, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind is Stan Bush yeah. and, and The uh, Touch. But, uh, yeah. um, but that'd, be, that'd be strictly the Vanguard. I don't know. Something, yeah. you know, something Captain Planet... Ask, I think that's that's kind of along the lines of what I was thinking too. Yeah, well. yeah, it'd be something like Age of Wonders coming for you. Age of Wonders, planet fall. Yep, butt rock guitars. There you go. A bunch of little successor factions just looking for their long lost space mentor. Yeah, yeah. And this week they're going to be learning about fire safety for some reason. Because right. Yeah. We have to make parents think that this isn't just to sell toys. <laughs> Which it is. <laughs> uh, and, and and from time to time, they try to tell you that drugs are bad, but then inadvertently make drugs sound fucking metal. Sound really awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, don't, be, uh, don't be like these messed up cyborgs that yeah, are like uh, the smartest, the most lethal machines in history. They uh, had too much of the stuff. It's like death isn't fun, kids, but look at how awesome the assembly is. <laughs> yeah, I want robot tentacles. That's amazing. You know, I, and I think another reason that these factions like kind of land in this world kind of lands is that they it is a focus on planetary sci-fi. I mean, one of my favorite 3MA quotes of all time was when we were talking about Stellaris and Rob just it sounded like you were literally putting your face in your hands and you're like, God, space is so bad. i like i think back on that a lot because it is it's like every game that is set primarily in the black of space almost every strategy game it just does not like it doesn't do it for me anymore um and while you know beyond earth wasn't quite my thing i i think that you know the focusing more on planetary sci-fi and on not having the galaxy be the venue for every space strategy game uh is probably a pretty positive direction to go in yeah no i mean you can't really get around the fact that space is mostly nothing yeah uh-huh so unless you go that uh, like super hard sci-fi direction and like there's just a couple places there are anything and they become super valuable but nobody makes that game because <laughs> uh because the, the fantasy is exploring and then finding a bunch of shit to colonize uh instead of exploring and discovering like oh man uh there's nothing. Yeah, that's it. Getting yeah. that that random role in galactic civilizations where you find uh, like your first area and there's like nothing. You're like, what? It's all barren. Hell, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and what's this is the kind of the whimsy that uh, Age of Wonders Planetfall kind of approaches it with. I mean, there's there's ten foot space battle penguins, yeah. um, and there's Tyrannosaurus with the lasers on its head. I mean, like. 
you know, that's there's no idea that's too like, you know, just joyfully juvenile. Just I, they'll they'll do stuff just because it's cool, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah, they they definitely like like I was saying earlier with their fantasy roots. They're like, okay, well, I mean, we are doing a sci-fi game, but we do want to bring some of the fantasy tropes that we're known for over to this game. And uh, I, I think they did a solid job of it if you just sort of, like, look the other way and you're just like, like, the Devar are probably the biggest, like, oh, yeah, those, you, you just wanted dwarves. It's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're dwarves with nail guns. I mean, that's pretty cool. And also, they're Soviet this time for some reason, which, I mean, instead of Scottish, which is <laughs> kind of cool. So, <laughs> I thought that was neat. Yeah. Um so I didn't get too far in the campaign proper. I was I basically was like doing boring vanguard stuff, uh right and left, just basically going around one place after another and be like, "Hello, any any vanguard survivors here? Oh shit, you've all everything's gone bad while we were in cryosleep. Mm-hmm. Damn." Um at some point you discover that like the star empire you were working for sucked, right? Like at some point yeah. you realize like that was, that was all like up to no good. And Wait, that you li- discover the empire was bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's yeah, such a novel concept. Yeah. <laughs> but it is neat. And the way that they kind of unveil that is through the other faction missions, which are basically coming out from under the thumb of a brutal galactic hegemon. And you know, as you're playing as the the vanguard, it's like, oh, oh, wait, that's that's me. Wow. So yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool. There's a there's a bit of a turn in the way that they kind of reveal that to be the case, which was cool. I um I mentioned this a bit on Waypoint. I do wish so much of the character art were not using reference from like popular characters or uh yeah, I guess characters is the way to put it. Like there's the Doctor Disrespect guy. Um, there is, uh, I think one of the assembly characters looks a lot like the rebel leader in Rogue One. Um, oh, sure. I mean, they, yeah, admittedly, they all have tubes and shit coming out of them with like air masks, but this one looks particularly, uh, like, um, uh, like her, like her mentor in, in, in Rogue One. Uh, but it did, like, the one thing it did great on me a little bit for, from a world building perspective is, like, this game has its own identity. It's doing its own things. But then time and again, it's like, ah, you recognize this guy, right? You know what this is. It reminds yes. you of something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I got it. We're all nerds here, man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's just kind of Triumph's personality. I think they like a good meme. It, it, it does kind of reinforce that feeling of you know dumping all the yeah. you know, the, the yeah. guys out on the floor and making your own little universe with it, um, or with that pile of dudes. Um, so, um, so yeah, I mean that I can see why that would be annoying. I found it to be kind of I don't know. I it, I didn't mind it that much, but I certainly don't blame for kind of not taking you know not taking as well to the like the memeiness of it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. I thought it ended up you had enough heroes overall as the game progressed that you were getting enough of Triumph's own specific flavor that the occasional more memey pop culturey character didn't really like bother me all that much. So once you have like the penguins, I mean, I kind of feel like all bets are off. It's like okay, this is it's this kind of game, <laughs> and uh, you know we're gonna have penguins and. 
Penguins are actually pretty good too, at least in the early game. The and the ultimate fate of that species as well. Yes. Uh, just yeah, I uh, I I need, I need to get with the penguins a bit more. Uh, I probably spent too much time playing the 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 boring um, vanguard with their shepherd looking leader. <laughs> oh yeah, well you can. I mean, the good news about the penguins is I think they're just kind of uh, they're like they're not associated with any particular faction. You can yeah, just kind you of just find homies with them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. So if you need uh, if you need penguins, you can you just have to look around just do, for them. Do penguin errands for them. Yes. On the, on yeah, the I do. Do quick penguin quests. Penguin yeah. related quests, mostly uh, that involves finding fish. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I think that will do it for this week. Um, I gotta say, so far, I just want to plan the fall. I don't know where it'll be in terms of like end of year discussion. Like it's been a really pleasant surprise. Uh, much more so than I was expecting. Um. I'm curious what my interest level in it will be as the year winds down, right? Like, does this be does this become one of those games that, like, a bit like Civ has been in the past, where it's a game I go to and, like, I fire it up um, just because I'm kind of keen to, to get some of that flavor? I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious if it, if it has those kinds of legs. Have, have any of you found yourselves uh, sort of being pulled back to it since reviews? No, not I really. have not, honestly. But I do note that it is available on PlayStation Four and Xbox One as well as PC. So that Ooh. may give it some extra legs, um, in terms of those ecosystems. So yeah, I, I haven't, but that's just because I I never, as reviews editor, I never have time. So I'm always on the next game. Yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. And in the background, I might play it, but probably I think Divinity Original Sin is my my current like let's go back and play it again for a little bit especially <laughs> since it just came out on switch and it has cross save so i can just sort of like be playing on the pc and then move over to the switch oh, oh that is nice <laughs> my yeah my fiance will may have to kill me if i <laughs> decide to start playing the yeah. original sin uh, outside the office <laughs> I'll, I'll, wait, get... I'll wait for story dlc on planet fall that's when i see myself going back to it is when there's more story to be experienced, which kind of seems like there will be. Dangerous there's... game to play. Remember when we were all like, man, I can't wait to revisit Endless Endless Space 2 with its new DLC. And then we all played it and we were like, oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, I got another 10 to 15 hours out of it. That's so, true. You know. yeah. Content yeah. is content, yeah. uh, as the people say. All right. Yeah. Uh, We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Uh, this episode was produced by Keith Carberry. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is host on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode of the community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Uh, Mike, anything you want to plug, anything you've been working on that we should we should check out in addition to your excellent uh, Planetfall review? Uh, well, I'm always out there doing reviews on usgamer.net. It it's to the point that I don't have time to do anything else, especially with the uh, September review crush. So head over to usgamer.net, check out our reviews, check out all of our extra beautiful articles. I just finished putting up a review of Borderlands 3 today, and I'm already on to the next game. So, yeah, that's that's my life. Oh, you're already, you're already mired in that Borderlands discourse, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh Godspeed. Uh... Godspeed. <laughs> Yeah. You did all the the hacking required to actually get the build to work. 
Uh, mine was actually fine. That that was the well, like a good. lot. Of, a lot of people were like, "Oh, so what about all the crashes and stuff?" I like had one crash like in the very beginning, and then I was fine. And huh. and it, it's great because I, I record everything. Like when I play a game, I'm recording everything, just for sort of review notes. I can throw it up in a video or something like that. So like I have the whole game shoot in wow. like mp4 like so i can just go over it and look at it um so like it's all been pretty smooth for me so then i like read polygons thing and i was just like damn uh but on the flip side i've been on the opposite side of that where my game has just crashed and chugged and then like i see other people's reviews and they're like no everything was fine like why yeah, build instability is always like one of those Michigan J Frog type situations where like you're gonna <laughs> yeah, be like the odds put. of you being on one side of that or the other are pretty good, right? Where you're either going to have one of those things where this game seems completely broken, and then you feel like you are, you know, in invasion of the body snatchers, right? You're the like what are the what reality are the rest of you describing? Uh, and then vice versa, uh, where you know you're you're having a good time with a game, and then everyone else is talking about, well, you know, this is unplayable, of course. Yeah. Like, uh, oh yeah. shit! Like, I'm sorry, your computers are bad. Yeah. The, <laughs> no, the last <laughs> the last time that happened it was flipped, so it was ancestors, uh, which we had another reviewer, and she just like it killed her save like four times. It kept crashing on her, so and then it came out, and like everyone was kind of like. Like some people had the same problem, but some people were fine, and I was just kind of like, ah, it's just the way well, it is. From everything I read, like knowing whether ancestors is working correctly uh, was, to a degree, one of the challenges with the game at times. Uh, it can be a bit obscure, uh, but it does sound really cool. So I don't know. I'm still, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. Like maybe I want to lead my ape tribe to uh, to, to victory and glory. Uh, TJ, what do you got in the uh, what do you got in the works these days? Um, well, the most recent thing that went up the day we're recording this is my review in progress of Greedfall, um, which is actually surprisingly really good because Spider's games have been kind of a technical and combat design disaster in the past. Um, they did Mars Warlogs. Um, oh, this is them. Uh, Bound by Flame and yeah. Technomancer. <laughs> And it seems like they are kind of, the way I put it is iterating themselves out of Jankberg, which is kind of what CD Projekt did over the course of the Witcher trilogy. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, thankfully not as much of like a col uh, colonial power fantasy as some of the marketing has made it out to be. It's actually fairly nuanced in terms of its storytelling. Um, it's really so, interesting to see how they handle that element of it because I know yeah. they're leaning into that sort of like you know um, aesthetically, uh, yeah, aesthetically it is that, but story wise, it is very much not that. So. Yeah, I, I've been looking forward to that because it looked yeah. like from the trailers that it was like that was sort of the Bioware that we lost. So to yeah, see by uh, to see Spider sort of get there uh, after uh, Bound by Flame, which was uh, it was it was rough. It was Eurojank rough. Yeah, they're they're getting there. This this game this one gives me major Dragon Age Origins vibes, which is hey. still one of my top ten games of all time. So those are good vibes to have. Yeah. Oh for yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. And uh, Ian, you mentioned uh, obviously you've got a fiance, you're getting married. Congratulations. What else are you working on? Uh, well, you can always find me at, at uh, PCGamesN.com. I cover news on the weekends there. And, um, you know, uh, I'm also 
contributing usually to uh, wargamer.com and strategygamer.com. So you can find my uh, whatever it is that I'm working on there. And it, it's almost always Arma or Battletech related these days. But uh, anyway, uh, that's where you can find my stuff. Awesome. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for TJ, for Mike, and for Ian, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight.